Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to the Just Janice podcast. I am your host, Janice, and we know that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So in this joy-filled podcast, you're going to hear real-life stories from other believers. We're going to talk about the kingdom. We're going to magnify Jesus, and it's going to be awesome. So thanks for tuning in, and here we go. Hey, hey everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Just Janice. I am super excited for today's episode, like I say at the beginning of every episode, because I truly am excited to get into the Word of God and to be able to encourage you and pray for you. And so today I'm going to be in Mark 5. I think we're going to go ahead and read the whole chapter and you'll see why in a little bit. But I just want to share with you kind of how my day has been going, praying that your day has been going great. So I am doing a long-term substitute teaching position at an elementary school in my hometown and absolutely love it so much. I'm so thankful that God has opened up this door for me to be able to teach these kids. I'm in a first grade classroom and it has just been a joy. Um, Definitely comes with its struggles and difficulties as well, but overall, um, just nothing but a pure joy. And so I'm so thankful for that. And today is Wednesday. And so we have virtual learning on Wednesdays. So I go into the classroom and I'm able to get a lot of prep work done and as well as um, communicate with my virtual students and answer questions, prep for their online lessons and all of that. And I'm usually able to skip out of school a little bit early, which is wonderful. Just to be able to do that. And so today when I got out, I went for a walk and it's a beautiful fall day in Michigan. I actually went around kind of my little neighborhood a few times and it kind of went back and forth though. It was like super cloudy and then the sun came out and then it was cloudy again and then the sun came out. So typical weather for Michigan, but absolutely love it and just love being able to go on walks and have that time with the Lord to pray and to listen to podcasts, listen to music while I'm out walking. And so um, it's been a really good day. So I hope that you guys are enjoying your day today whenever you tune into this and that God just shows himself faithful and shows you more of who he is and um, yeah, just that you're growing in relationship with him. So so, um, a few weeks ago, I started doing a Bible study maybe like a month ago. I don't know. I'm horrible. (laughs) I'm horrible with time. I always say like, I don't know, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. And then I realize it's actually been like six months or a year. Uh, My concept of time isn't the greatest, but probably more like a couple months ago, I started doing a Bible study with my friend Maddie. She's a teenager and love, love, love that girl. And last night uh, she was at my house and we were doing Bible study together and we were just talking about how much of a difference it makes in your life when you're in the word of God, when you're planted into it, when you're growing in it, when you're reading it, when you're applying it. And it really just, as we were talking about that, I was just reflecting kind of over my own life and seasons where I've been really intentional about being in the word. And then seasons when maybe I've lacked in that area a little bit. And so, um, I just want to throw that out there about what a difference it makes and And I can always tell when I have not been getting in the word as much as I should. Now, I will say, I don't know that there's ever a day that I'm not in scripture in some form or fashion, but I mean, actually like 
sitting down and getting into it versus just reading a couple, you know, verses of the day or a quick devotional or things like that. So I've been doing this year in 2020, um, a read the Bible in a year challenge. And today's Bible reading was Mark 5, which is where we're going to be today. And something I just love about the Word of God is that it doesn't matter how many times you read it, like God can just show you different perspectives or teach you different lessons within even the same story. Like this account in Mark 5, I can't even tell you how many times I've read it or heard it preached or heard it taught. And it just hit me a little different today. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. And so I'm going to go ahead and read Mark 5. And then I want to share with you kind of the revelation of what the Lord was showing me um, in this context. So I am in Mark 5. I read, I study out of the New King James Version. I also love the Amplified Version because I'm a word nerd. And so I love when certain words are just broken out. Like if you, if you're not familiar with the Amplified Version, a lot of times it will take certain words and passages and it will put like in parentheses more words to really just drive home the meaning of that word. So I love the Amplified and I love the Passion Translation, um, but for study purposes, I love the New King James. So I'm in the New King James and I'm going to go ahead and read chapter five. So it says, then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. So there's so much there just in that context. There's this man, he's demon-possessed, he's living in a graveyard, no one can contain him, they try to chain him, he breaks the chains, like, he is just fully demon-possessed. So that's his life as um, Jesus is getting ready to encounter him. I love this. So when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said, for he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. This is Jesus talking to the spirits that are, are possessing him to come out. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2000 and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Okay, that is so intense. And I just... I don't know, as I read scripture, I think about like what that would have been like, like to actually witness firsthand and it's crazy. So then it says, so those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion. So he had several demons. He was demon possessed sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. So literally, they see this guy. They know his reputation. They know that he's the crazy lunatic who's been living in the graveyards, cutting himself with stones, um, just screaming and crying at night. Like, 
they knew his reputation. He couldn't be contained. He couldn't be chained. He was violent. And then now they see this miracle of a man who has been set free from demon possession. He's sitting there in his right mind and it scared them. They were fearful, it says, and they pled with Jesus to leave. So I just think about that, even like our responses with things like, I think, what it, what would it have been like if they wouldn't have pled with him to leave? He, you know, may have stayed and set more people free or whatever, been more deliverances. Um, but Jesus honored their decision just like he does with us. If we don't want him as part of in our lives, if we don't want him, you know, involved in our everyday, he's that we have a free will. We have that choice. He's never going to force himself. And so on in verse 18, it says, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. So the demon possessed man wanted to go with Jesus because he knew Jesus wasn't going to stay. Jesus is getting in the boat getting out of there. He's not welcome, not wanted in that region anymore. And the demon possessed man wants to go with him. I mean, I could understand that if Jesus had just set me free, like I would want to be where he is at. Like if Jesus was walking the earth now, I would want to be where he was at. And so it says, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he, how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. So Jesus is taken off to the boat. He tells a demon-possessed man he is to stay and just share what has happened in his life. And honestly, these things I'm sharing right now aren't even the teaching points that I wanted to drive home. But one really cool thing that I discovered um, just earlier this year with this portion of scripture, the demon-possessed man goes back to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. So Decapolis is 10 cities, and one of those 10 cities is Damascus. And we know that Paul, Saul Paul, the Saul Paul conversion, where Saul had the encounter with Jesus and um, was converted to Paul, was changed to Paul, became born again, happened when he was on his way to Damascus to persecute the church that was in Damascus. So as I read that and I discovered that, I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if this demon-possessed man was the cause of that revival that was happening in Damascus that caused Saul to go and persecute that that city because um, we know that Saul, or Paul, formerly Saul, Saul persecuted the church. He was having Christians arrested and killed because he was so such a zealous um, a Pharisee that he did not believe Jesus was the Messiah until he encountered him himself. And so he was persecuting the church and just trying to put away with what he saw as mockery and blasphemy against his God until, like I said, he actually encountered God for himself and he realized that Jesus truly is the Messiah. So I thought that was really cool in this portion of the scripture um, because this is long before the Saul-Paul conversion happened. So I'm going to go on to verse 21 because this is where it gets really cool for me. So it says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogues came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So he's got people pushing all around him, following him as he is on his way to 
go lay hands on Jairus's daughter. And it says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? I mean, think about that. Seriously, the crowd is pressing in all around him. They're like, everybody's touching you, Jesus. What do you mean? Who's touching you? And he, and so it goes on to say, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. That right there is a scripture that a lot of us need to apply to wherever we're at in life. The do not be afraid, only believe. So regardless of what the report is, regardless of what's coming against you or what other people are saying, if God has shown you something or told you something or spoken a promise over you, do not be afraid, only believe. Verse 37, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, um, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. I love that. He raises her from the dead, and he's like, feed the girl. So practical. So all of that, I mean, that was like, there was like so much in chapter five that could be taught on. And I've heard so many messages, like I said, on all different parts of, of that account in chapter five, the several accounts in, in that chapter. But what like the Lord was really highlighting to me this morning was about rejection and rerouting and how Jesus went to that region to set people free to do what he did. We know that everywhere he went, healings, he had compassion on the multitudes and he healed those who were sick in their body. And he delivered demon possessed people. And that's just what he did with his, in his ministry. And, um, duh, what a good God, he's still doing those things. So I thought about though, how he went to the region of the Gadarenes, like it said, and he probably had a heart to do a lot more than he did yet. He did go there and he only, only was able to cast out the demon out of demons, legion demons out of that man. And then they didn't want him there. They rejected, they wanted him gone. And so I I just, God was just showing me the beauty and rerouting because if he would have stayed in that region of the Gadarenes, 
Yes, more people would have been set free. I believe that with all my heart, more people would have been saved. They'd have been born again. They would have known um, just that Jesus was a Messiah, that he was a son of God and all of that. But yet God chose to use the man that he delivered, had him go back and preach. And then Jesus left because like, I, like we read, they didn't want him there. And so I thought about what would have not, what would have possibly not happened if Jesus hadn't been rejected and hadn't been rerouted back into the boat and back across to the other side. I think about Jairus's daughter who probably would have been buried or however, I know a lot of times they, they use tombs and things, so not necessarily buried in the ground, but who would have been, you know, put in her final resting place had Jesus not been rerouted and rejected. I think about this woman with the issue of blood and I think about the songs that have been written on that account and the just the her testimony is still so much inspiring our world today. And, you know, would she still have been being afflicted? Would she have ever encountered Jesus if he hadn't been rerouted and rejected? And I don't know. That's kind of like the message that God was giving me today on all of this is like to not always look at rejection as a bad thing. And I love I love what Kimberly Jones Pothier Um, I think it's just Kimberly Jones now, but anyway, I love what she says all the time and it's, um, rejection is God's protection. And I've heard it so much, like I've heard it so much that I feel like sometimes it it loses meaning for me, but I think about that and I'm like, rejection is not always a bad thing. And I think in our culture today, like we are such a people pleasing culture and we have such a people pleasing mindset and that fear of man Um, which in Proverbs says fear of man is a snare. And it's not like we're walking around and we're like afraid of like, well, maybe some people are, but like, I don't believe that scripture is just saying like, oh, you're afraid for your life or your safety or, or obvious things like that. I think it's saying like, you're afraid of people's opinions. You care more about what people think of you than what God says. We care more about our reputation than we care about pleasing him and doing things for the kingdom. And I get that because I lived in that for so long and I still, it's still something that I have to battle. Like, am I going to choose to say yes to the Lord? Am I going to choose to be obedient or am I going to care more about my reputation and what other people think of me? And so, yeah, so rejection, like nobody likes it. Nobody invites that. I mean, there probably is, I don't know, the world is full of people. (laughs) There probably is some people out there who are strange and like rejection, but I, I don't, I don't know where their mental state is, if that's the case, but like most people aren't going to welcome and embrace and want rejection, but just knowing that Jesus was rejected over and over again. And the word even says, if they hated me, they'll hate you. Like we're going to face that if we're choosing to be salt and light and be bold about our faith. Now, if we're Christians who are not really like wanting people to know that we're Christians or we're more hidden and we are kind of staying under our basket, so to speak, um, letting our light hide, then yeah, we're going to become like chameleons in our faith and just switch to whatever environment we're around. We're like, if we're at church, then yeah, I can be, you know, shouting amen and glory, hallelujah. But if I'm, you know, with my worldly friends, I'm going to become more like them. And that is such a, it's such a sad place to be, I guess, is really what I want to say, because you're not, the integrity is lost in that. And I think integrity is such a beautiful character quality that, that 
really, if you have integrity, you are the same person, whether you're at church, whether you're at home, whether you're in the grocery store, whether you're with your worldly friends, no matter where you're at, you are who you are. And so I just pray that over anyone tuning in. If you do struggle with integrity in like maintaining a constant character in the Lord and you feel like you have to blend in depending what environment you're surrounded with, I'm praying a release of that over you that God would set you free from that because you you deserve to live boldly for him, to be salt and light wherever you're at, whether it's in the world or um, you know, in fellowship with other believers. So I just pray that over you, that you are set free from that. And, and yeah, I guess that's kind of the main message that I had with this is just that rerouting isn't always bad either. And I think about my own life and times where God has rerouted me. And I just felt like God really was driving home the idea that life is lived in seasons. And I think so many times we get to the end of a season and we're not ready to like let it go and walk into the new thing. And that's hard for people like change is hard. And I get that. But like, especially if we have our mindset on something like, obviously Jesus was the son of God and, and son of man, he was fully, fully God, fully flesh. And so he probably in his all knowingness, if that's a word, his all knowingness knew that when he went over there, he was only going to set that man free and then go back. But like for us and our human minds or even the disciples, they might have thought we're going over to this, the region of the Gadarenes and we're going to like do all these great things. And then they get over there and the people don't want them there. And they're like, okay. And then they're back in the boat and back across the water. Like in our human minds, sometimes that rejection can just be like devastating. And so whether you've been rejected by friends or family or even a church, whatever, knowing that like God is for you. God is always for you. God will never leave you or forsake you. His love for you never changes. And so whether people reject you or situations come up that reroute you into a different direction, just being able to fully trust him in all of that is something that I just pray for myself. And I pray that for you, that you're able to just stay encouraged no matter what season of life you're in, no matter where the road of life leads you, where God leads you truly. I mean, we all want to be in his perfect will. And so that's what I have for Mark Mark chapter five. If you guys got other things out of this chapter, I would love to hear it because I love the word of God. I love um, when God just reveals new things or shows us new things. And that was my biggest takeaway from my reading this morning was just to not always be be downcast or upset or frustrated when our life seemingly reroutes because God promises that he works all things together for our good. Um, the scripture specifically says he works all things together for the good of those who love him. That's Romans eight twenty eight, And so if we love him, we can trust and have confidence that he is working all things for our good, that he is ordering our steps. The Bible says that um, the steps of a good man are ordered by him. And so if he If you are in fellowship with him and relationship with him and allowing him and his word and the Holy Spirit to to navigate your life, you can just be confident that if a door closes, it's because God closed it. If a door opens, it's because God opened it and walked through it. So I just pray that this encouraged you and I would love to hear from you guys. So feel free to reach out to me. I love having conversation about the Lord. I love talking about the word of God and just growing in it myself and just being 
becoming more and more rooted and grounded in it because it truly is living and active and relevant for our lives today. So I'm going to go ahead and close out in prayer and I will see you guys next time. Father God, I thank you so much for your living and active word. God, I thank you that you are faithful, Lord, and I thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, but you sent your Holy Spirit, God, that we can read and understand your word. Lord, I thank you for the freedom to read your word in this country, Lord, and all over the world in places where people are able to have access to your word. And I even pray right now for those areas where it's restricted and banned, God, that somehow, some way that those people would be able to get access to your word, God, because it changes lives. It's it's so good and I'm so thankful for it. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your songs of deliverance that are constantly surrounding us, that you are rejoicing over us. God, that your banner over us is love. You are love. And so God, I pray that if anyone is tuning into this podcast that just feels distant from you, they feel like they haven't heard you lately, they feel like they're getting in the word and they're not getting anything out of it. God, I pray that you would just meet them right where they're at. God, that you would show them how faithful and good and kind you are. God, that you would show them what their true identity is. God, what you call them. That you call them beloved. That you call them chosen. That you call them set free. God, I thank you that who you say we are is, is the loudest voice that we listen to. That's the, that's, those are the names that we're answering to. God, I declare that over myself. I declare that over my listeners. Lord, and I just pray that we would fall more in love with you. God, as the first commandment that you give us to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. God, I choose today and I pray that all of my listeners do as well to love you, to serve you, to know you and to make you known. God, I thank you again for who you are in Jesus name. Amen. 